Welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is the place to connect to who you truly are. We're bringing PhDs, experts, and leaders to help you elevate your mindset in your work life and in your love life so that you can see things differently and truly love your world. I'm Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, author, and TEDx speechwriter and booker, and I'm excited to bring you in to this week's episode. Okay, U-Turn friends, I've had to be professional all day on the podcast and I haven't eaten my salad for lunch. And I just looked at the calendar and I was like, hell yes, Bella Gandhi is on the calendar. If you have not listened to our episodes about love, she has the Smart Dating Academy. She has a really clear process around finding love, around keeping love. She's just really a queen. It's funny, we were just catching up and she's like, what's new? And it's like 500 things. And then I'm like, what's new with you? And it's like, she's married to the same person. She's stable <laughs> all life can be. I, I need some of what you're putting out there. And we were just talking about having kids. And I think a lot of women, whether they're married and there's like a disconnect on when they should do these things um, or they're dating and they want it now, or maybe they're on the fence and they meet someone and it changes things for them in some way or the other. Do you have any beliefs around the process of love and like how long you should wait to have a kid, like just based on what you've seen with all of your clients? Because like I found a new love and I have no idea what's to come with that. But part of me is like, if I meet the right person, it would be so nice to like try and have kids in like a year or two. And then I'm like, is that too soon? Is that crazy? Like, I'm just trying to. So I I know this is a judgment free zone for everybody listening. Take what you want, leave what you don't. And forgive me for chewing on a salad, but Bella, <laughs> what's your thought on all this? Like making that decision to have kids, how that impacts your love life? I think making kids is one of the, it probably outside of who you have your kids with is the biggest decision you'll make as human. And before we started recording, I was telling Ashley, you know, I'm the mother of a sophomore in college who will be 20, a sophomore in high school. And I have worked in the business world. I've started Smart Dating Academy 14 years ago, worked at a Fortune 500 company, you know, ridden motorcycles, like done a whole shit ton of crazy things. Nothing There is no experience that pushes your boundaries as a human being, like being a parent. And what I would tell you, if I can abridge my 20 years of parenting, actually, you know, you become a parent sort of the day you become pregnant. So it's like your kid plus nine months. So I've been a parent for going on, you know, 21 years at this point. I would say it's so important to decide who you want to have kids with. Now, is there an amount of time? It's not the amount of time, right? You've been dating one month, one year, two years. Hell, my parents met on a Sunday. They were engaged on Thursday of that week and married 72 hours later, right? And they've been married for 50 years at this point. So it's not necessarily about the time. I would not suggest to any of you out there to meet and marry someone in seven days, BT dubs, not a good decision. Um, But you really want to know who this person is. Now you have to realize, right? We are nature and nurture from our families of origin, right? And you know what happens when you become a parent? 
Who do you start to kind of become like, whether you want to or you don't? If you could see Ashley's face when I said that, her, she squirmed. It's like, ah, right? And that's what we all do. Like, oh my God, I'm becoming my mom. I'm becoming my dad. And that is what happens. And I think we really undervalue. You know, my parents are Indian. I have a lot of Jewish friends. I know older cultures, our, our parents were so involved in matchmaking. And you look at the families and what happened in their family and what happened in their family. And where, you know, I remember being young going, oh my God, just shut up. Who cares? Like if I love the person, we're going to make it work. But at the end of the day, there is a lot of wisdom in those old cultures, right? Trauma runs generationally, right? And the way we were parented, to some extent, we will parent. Then you look at your potential partner. They bring all of their ancestral good stuff and trauma to the equation. And then you create these little beings that are combinations of you two. And then you bring different parenting styles. And if you are not aligned in what you want out of your lives, who you are, what you value, and how you want to raise your kids, there's a whole shit ton of friction right there in that canoe. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and just using it every day. But if that's not in the cards for you this year, you can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by more than 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations. And since I personally haven't been in France for a while, I love to hop onto Babbel for a few minutes every day and just keep my French up to par. Babbel even helps me with my accent, my pronunciation, so that on my next trip, I'll feel confident stepping off the plane, ready to chat with anyone. Here's a special from Babbel limited time deal for our listeners right now to get 55% off your subscription, but only for the U-Turn community at babbel.com slash U-Turn. So you can get 55% off at B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. Rules and restrictions may apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is just here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, they give you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the entire United States, and they are the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support you and your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, 
grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash U-turn. Go to shopify.com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Again, that's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash U-turn. Okay. As it relates to relationships, you know, my one of my very best friends from grad school in Europe um, we keep in such close touch since we met in 2009 that we have like a little voice note group every like month we'll hear something and she had twins and she was like a nymphomaniac like her and her husband had such a little is that the term for like a very sexual relationship or did I just hear that somewhere I think that's the mm-hmm. term right a nymphomaniac is like obsessed with sex yeah that's like her like she's okay. French and she's just like obsessed with sex They had kids and she is like, yeah, obviously our sex life has changed. She's the one friend I was like, this is not going to change. Like it's too deep in her. And it did. Um, So obviously sex is not love. Love is not sex. But sometimes it happens between two people who love each other. Obviously. So can you tell me a little bit about if somebody's really thinking about bringing a kid into the world, what can they expect or what can they foresee in navigating and maintaining a loving relationship with each other or with the child with each other man i always say having kids doesn't make anything easier on a relationship mm-hmm. and i think anybody that's honest with you will tell you that if you're in a relationship and you feel like it's frictioned or it's fractured and a lot of erroneous thinking is let's have kids it'll bring us together we'll be aligned false right it's have a strong relationship with each other before you decide to bring a kid in because then it's sort of us against them, essentially. So you want to make sure that you have a good partner. And I think keeping a good relationship, you're going to have conflict, right? Mm -hmm. Kids don't make things easy. Life doesn't make things easy. It's having rules of engagement around how you have conflict. Mm -hmm. How do you talk to each other? How do you de-escalate? your conflicts? How do you not use words so that they're knives? Remember, words, once we say them, they sting, they can be knives. We can forgive, but we don't forget people's words. Mm -hmm. And it's learning how to regulate yourself. If you find, yeah, I kind of lose my shit easily and I say things that aren't kind, work on that. Work on that. And that's how you asked about keeping a loving relationship. It's these little things on a daily basis, being kind to each other, having way more positive interactions than negative. I know the work of Dr. John Gottman, he says that he's got some formula and don't quote me exactly. It's like you need to have like 17 positive interactions with each other for every one negative interaction. Mm -hmm. If you think about that, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. The majority of your stuff should be nice, kind, warm, and turning towards your partner, not away. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you talk about rules of engagement and that feels like a very fun little topic there. (laughs) So let's talk about people who are single, people who are in a relationship. So the single people, maybe they're dating and they're thinking like, what are some green flags when it comes to someone that you think would maybe play by the rules of engagement with communication? What are some red flags? Same question in in partnership. Like, how do people start to kind of pause and say, hey, we're not playing fair here? Um, what are some things that you pay attention to when it comes to that kind of escalated communication? 
how do people handle it? I think you're going to have conflict, right? Don't be under any Panglossian illusions that the perfect soulmate for you equals no conflict because you will have con in any close relationship. And I think you would agree with me, Ashley, doesn't matter how close and how much you love this person, unless one person is giving in and not using their voice, there will be conflict. And this is friendships overall. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I'm trying to remember what your original question was. Like, how do you, what are the rules? What are some rules of engagement? Yeah. Like, how do you even begin to pay attention to that when you're dating or put the brakes on poor communication when you're in a relationship? Like, what are the green flags for the rules of engagement? For I think if somebody seems like they're volatile and they get mean or edgy or they get cold and sort of ice you out when something goes wrong, those are red flags right? Potentially or yellow flags. You can bring them up and say, Hey, you know, not sure. I might be telling myself a story, but I felt like the other night, like after we were talking about, you know, the conflict in Israel or whatever it was that you, you know, I feel like I might've angered you and you shut me out. Like, is this a story I'm telling myself? Like if a person, you want someone who can talk about things constructively without being, assailing and mean or shutting down and being like, it's fine. Everything is fine. Why? It's being able to use your voice in a secure, loving, confident way and a mm -hmm. kind way. Mm -hmm. Total green flag, red flags to anything that's a reciprocal of that. Mm. Okay. So I think a lot of like, you talk about being mean. I feel like there's like things you should never say if you want to keep your relationship. Um, and I think there's always somebody who, you know, wants to lean into maybe some toxicity, like, oh, let's work this out. Let's work this out. And they keep their wheels spinning. And then there's the other person who wants to exit and they'll threaten the relationship. I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. Um, what, what are your thoughts on this? Because I feel like there are lines and some people should say that they have to leave if the person can't is going to do this or that. Absolutely. There's also a reality where it's kind of toxic to threaten to leave if you're not prepared to leave. So I don't know, just any thoughts on these sorts of things? Like I know couples who are married, it's like the divorce word can be very threatening. So just curious about all that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've been married for 26 years and my husband and I I don't, I mean, and we've had our, we've had conflicts, right? I mean, of course we have, it's been that long. We've been through everything together, but we have never thrown around. We call it the D word. I said, if you ever, if either of us use that word, then you're serious. Don't ever use it as an idle threat because I can never unhear that. Mm -hmm. And if you find yourself, I'm going to leave you. It's like protest behavior, right? Mm -hmm. It's the sign of a highly anxiously attached person that always threatens to leave, threatens to, you know, break things off when things aren't bad. But actually, it's just sort of a cry for help, but it can be really toxic and really annoying. And if that person isn't willing to work on that, it's like they're like, okay, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave now. I want you to come and chase me and tell me not to leave. Right. But what I'm actually asking for is, can you just come over and love me? Mm. And you give me attention, right? And it's really, it's sort of becoming a grown up. 
And if these are your patterns, these are things that you can get better at. And guys, if you feel like this is you, there's no shame in that game. We can't, we didn't choose our families of origin. We didn't choose what happened to us, right? And you may not have had a voice as a kid. You may have been sent to your room. You weren't allowed to say, we didn't talk about feelings in our house. And if you don't know how to do that, how many of us learn that at home? Zero, right? Mm -hmm. One, maybe you, Ashley, like the rest of us, probably not. But Mm -hmm. right, these are things that you can work on. So it's not necessarily, maybe you're hearing this going, shit, I'm the red flag, right? And if that's the case, get some help around this. Talk to a therapist, go into counseling. But my thoughts on that, these are fixable problems, but you both have to want to fix. Mm. It's almost like you got to select someone who has a mindset of around problem solving. and. I think a lot of people, we all have our different traumas. They've maybe selected someone who like just doesn't know how to fight. And it's interesting because everything can be roses, but if you don't know how to fight, it's like, it doesn't really matter. The whole thing is going to come Jack and Jill tumbling down. Um, So can you talk to me a little bit about maybe for the person who's listening and they don't know how to fight, like they know that they get really bad. At least they have that awareness. Um, Where do you begin? Like the dysregulated person. Like, how do we help them like level down into this planet and have better relationships and not be so damaging? Because there is a point of no return, I imagine, where you really can't repair if somebody's showing up a certain way. Yeah. You know, we've done on the Smart Dating Academy podcast, I've had somatic healers on there that talk about how we can emotionally regulate ourselves, right? And if you know that that's you, you might want to go out and read The Body Keeps the Score, Peter Levine, get some emotional regulation work. Because at the end of the day, we are our nervous systems, right? It's like what happened to us is stored in the body and we continue to be triggered. When we say I'm triggered, it means your, your nervous system has been activated. And so doing work around, first of all, knowing how to calm yourself down in that moment so you don't blow your stack. What do you do? Do you deep breathe? Do you tap? Do you just say, hey, in our house, we have, everybody can call a timeout. And it's like, hey, my husband's Andy. I'm like, hey, and this is getting overheated right now. We need to take a break. Let's separate and we can come back to this later. Mm-hmm. And that's either of us can call that, mm-hmm. right? It's usually me and our relationship because he's relentless. He won't stop, mm-hmm. right? And so, but he knows the benefit of doing it. But once he's in it, he's like, no, we got to go. We got to finish this. I'm like, we can't finish this right now. Mm-hmm. Call a time out. I'm telling you, if you can deploy this strategy, it takes down the amplitude of your conflict down so significantly within 15 to 20 minutes, you will re-regulate. You need to remove yourself from that person, literally go into another room, like get in the shower, do something that calms you, go for a walk, get away from it. And you will be amazed at how you can come back to homeostasis or way better so quickly. Get yourself out of the situation, but deploy the strategy guys in peacetime. Not when you're having a conflict, you don't just go, Hey, let's take a time out when you're with your partner, right? Ashley, you've got a new boo. You just say, listen, if we get in 
into a conflict, here's our strategy. Either one of us can say the word de-escalate. Mm -hmm. And that means words and temperatures are rising. Let's be like boxers and go back to our corners. We separate spaces. We're not going to sit in the same room together. I'm going to go into this room. You go into this room. We can close our doors. In our house, when we do that, within 30 minutes, inevitably, someone walks into the other room with an apology. Mm. It's amazing. Mm, You have to pull yourself out of that situation. Mm -hmm. Because remember, you're never going to win. If you continue the conflict, you will not win. All you'll do is erode your relationship. Mm, That's so useful. It's interesting how many people kind of lead with this idea of being a winner in the fight. Um, I I think it sounds so intimidating for people who maybe they're married or they're not, but they have a big fight. They probably think to themselves, like, how am I supposed to stay with this person my whole life? Like I was talking to um, a dating coach that has been on the show as well. And she was saying she doesn't really trust a relationship that hasn't been on the brink of destruction, like really pushing yourself to the edge um, and being able to work through it together. Um, I also know some relationships where they never really fight and it's kind of rare. Do you have any beliefs around like the frequency of fighting, the value of fighting? Some people say, well, if you're not fighting, you're not being you. And then other people are like, no, you might just have a peaceful thing. Um, Just anything that you can share there. I think that both are true. I think there are people that align really well with the the partner that they've picked. There might be one super alpha, and that could be the male, that could be the female. It could be the person who's like, all right, this is what we're going to do. And when you pick a partner that wants to be led, that's a beautiful union, right? You get to lead. This person just wants to be in your wind. It's perfect. There's going to be very little friction. You'll have more friction when you have two people that want the steering wheel, Mm. right? So pick a partner that's actually good for you number one, right? Mm -hmm. And if you do have conflicts, which you will, then having, you want to be able to be in a relationship where you can use your voice, but you feel safe. Mm -hmm. That's so important. You cannot be yourself if you don't feel safe. Mm. Okay. So as far as you know, people who are maybe out there dating like I am and they're choosing someone I feel like in the early honeymoon stage, it's like really hard to see what kind of fighter somebody is because everything's really cute and sweet and dopamine is just flying. Yeah. You're in like positive illusions phase, right? They can do no wrong. Yeah. Literally. I'm like this guy, like I could like drink his snot. Yeah. Like I just like angel from above. Right. Um, how do we, like, is there a certain time frame based on our brain's chemistry that you feel like, oh, this is when you get a sense of someone This is when you're really, you know, because I felt for me, like if I'm not with somebody for six months, I still don't know them. Usually it's around six months. I see everything. We've tried to work through one of them. Like any, any sort of beliefs there? Yeah. I mean, there's science around this, like all the crazy making hormones, the elevated, you know, dopamine, serotonin, estrogen. I'm no hormonal expert, but all of the hormones that make us feel like we're crazy in love, those can start 
to wane anywhere from four months to two years into a new relationship, right? So I usually tell my clients at Smart Dating Academy, within four months, you know, post-exclusivity, you can start to see the cracks in the armor if you know what you're looking for. And mm-hmm. if there are behavior changes, then, then there's definitely question marks as to, is this a good relationship for you? Okay. So let's talk about behavior changes because I feel like a lot of people are working through like, is this the right person for me? Is this not? Whether they're even married or dating. Like, I think we're all still time, sometimes in these questions. Um, You talk about like cracks in the armor. I think some people, their attachment style might come out. Like maybe they'll become avoidant or maybe they'll become more anxious as it gets more real. Um, But then there's some people who have a lot of awareness and they're like, I tend to do this and I don't want to do this. Like, can you point this out to me? Um, And then there's other people where it just runs them. Like I was seeing some guy when I moved back to LA for six weeks, he came in so strong and then he fell off and like went to Tokyo for a week and like legitimately, he told me he was going on a vacation, but as someone who works like 60, 70 hours a week, you would think he'd be more available. And he was completely off on being available to send a text or to check in. And he explained later that he loves being solo on his trips and da, 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 da. My point being like, it's, it was kind of blinding. It was like, dude, for six weeks, you were so attentive and so there, and then you fell off. So I'm so grateful that I could see that. I have no resentment towards him because I'm like, whatever, that's your attachment style. But I do think there's some people out there that actually want to work on it. How do you sift through those people? And I'm asking this not just for the single people, but for the partnered up people, because we're still on this journey trying to figure out, like, did we make a good choice? And it's not like we want to be in and out of our choice. But I do know in the privacy of some people's hearts, they are in these questions. So I think it's like picking, how do you know if you're with somebody that actually is is willing to work on something? And how do you know when you're picking somebody that it is what they are and you got to back up? You know, I think that in the beginning of a relationship, you know, pressure test it, like, you know, grab a self-development book, a relationship book and book club it together. And if the person is like, oh, what the hell do you want me to read that for, please? Right. Then no, I, I think that that person is showing you who they are. I have a lot of our new couples read books and it depends on who they are and who the person is. But I have a whole, you know, kind of stable of things I can recommend to people. Like I want you to book club this together and I want to see what her reaction is. and I want to see what his reaction is. So that's really, I think you said it earlier on, you want someone that has the mindset of growth. And I believe in this relationship and I believe that it can get better and I will do my part to make it better. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you could kind of see that early. Like You if, can. And there's a lot of people that um, I feel like in their relationship, whether it's a marriage or committed anything, there seems to be one that's like, let's grow. And then there's often the other one that's like, let's not. Um, Like, do you have any thoughts from all these couples you've worked with and people you've worked with around like, when do you throw in the towel and say, this is just not workable? I'm a growth driven person. I'm in this for the long haul. This person is resistant to growing. The writing's on the wall. We got to go. Hey, U-Turn friends, it's Ash here, and I've got to admit, my closet has been incredibly crammed with a lot of clothes, but nothing to wear. The solution? I decided to donate a ton of them and turn to Quince. They are the upgrade for high-quality, affordable pieces. Now I have a wardrobe of luxury essentials 
that transitioned from one occasion to the next. And the best part? I stayed on budget. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I just love them. I recently got the Italian pebbled leather crossbody bag, and it is the perfect size for a purse when I'm out, on a date night, traveling light, or just don't want anything bulky weighing me down. I really love what they're doing. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash U-turn for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N to get free shipping and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash U-turn. I used to be one of those people who thought that they really didn't have time to prioritize wellness, but I recently came across Aloe Moves and now my entire mindset has changed. This app makes it so much easier for me to keep my wellness routine on track and because they have everything in one place, you know, there's yoga, Pilates, fitness classes, mindfulness, self-care tips, healthy recipes, so much more. You all know I love a little recipe situation. From beginner to advanced, Aloe Moves has the flow or class that will totally fit your schedule. Their classes range from five minutes to an hour, depending on what I'm feeling for that day. Trying to get in a good sweat? Then you've got to try their award-winning workouts like sweat-inducing yoga flows, hit classes, or reformers Pilates workouts with or without weights. Or find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and journaling for your more quiet moments. Unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alomoves.com now and use the code ALOMOVES30 for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's A-L-O-M-O-V-E-S dot com, code ALOMOVES30. A-L-O-M-O-V-E-S 30, ALOMOVES dot com, code ALOMOVES30. Now let's get back into this week's episode. Yeah, I think you really have to, you know, when my clients get divorced and they come to me obviously post-divorce, they will all tell me the, the same kind of thing in slightly different ways, but it's like the dark cloud lifted from their life, right? And it's like, oh my God, I always felt like it was gloomy and doomy outside. And now it's like, oh my God, there's sun shining and birds chirping. If you sit and you think about, would I be better off without this person? Not today because he's annoying, but in general, would you be relieved to be on your own? Then I think you might you might have something on your hands, right? And that's when people, you know, and if you if you know what the pressure points are or the pain points are, and you know that they're fixable, then you got to talk to your person to try to fix those things. But if you're at the end of your rope and you're the trier and this person is showing no efforts, basically sitting in his or her lazy boy, like what? Clicking the channel, right? And you're you're the one who's doing everything. It takes two, yeah. right? And, and I think there is a certain point. Seek out an experienced couples therapist. I mean, a good therapist will kind of tell you, like, I think this is done. Mm. 
right? Mm-hmm. A therapist that's worth their salt will tell you that if they feel that. They may not know or they may say, okay, I think we can get this back on track, but we're going to have some intensive work. And if both people are committed to that, I mean, you see people that come out of brutal affairs, right? Yeah. Someone cheated on someone just horribly, indiscriminately, publicly, and yet they make it work somehow. They do the work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody has their own bar, right? There's some things that some people are going to say that's not workable. And then other couples that are like, this is workable. And I guess it's personal where you're going to find that motivation to work through it. Um, Okay. So I feel like marriage for love is like a century old, maybe a little more. Um, And so I guess as humans, we're still trying to figure out how to, I mean, what was it before? It was like, it takes a village. Like I imagine there was villages of kids and nobody knew fully whose kid was whose and everybody's just raising the village. And then we move into an era where people are actually wanting to love people. And I've, I've seen the research around arranged marriages and how they actually have probably more success than regular marriages for love. Um, yeah, like why do you think it's so hard for us to keep a relationship together if we love a person? Because we've got 50% divorce rate and then 15% are legally separated. And then there's the so that's 65% that got out in some way. And then there's like the remaining 35% where I don't know how many of them are happy or not. So clearly this marriage for love thing is quite hard for us as a society. We're still choosing it, which I think is beautiful, but how do we, I don't know, like, what do you think is going on there that it's so hard for people to stay together? I think uh, we're obsessed with lust Mm -hmm. in our society and chemistry. And I think what many, many people, and we're taught that again, if your picker's broken and you've been continuously picking, well, I have to be attracted. I have to have a spark. That's important. But I think the most important thing that most research shows underneath a long-term successful romantic relationship is a deep and enduring friendship. Mm -hmm. And I think we forget about the friendship. Mm -hmm. I think we're so obsessed with the chemistry. Listen, our bodies evolve. You can't have sex three times a day like you do in a new relationship, you know, 10 years down the road, the human race would perish if we were doing that. We'd be a highly unproductive society. So our brains, you know, lust is nature's way of tricking us into attachment. And then attachment love changes. It changes for exciting to safe and secure. And a lot of people don't understand that, that yes, there is a trade-off. You're not going to get back to the first three months of your relationship because that is that's a very different aspect of a relationship right and then you change to safety security which is amazing but it's not going to get back to that but so many people will then say well i must have fallen out of love with you it's like no the kind of love just changes and i think if people knew that the world would look a little different or maybe they never loved the person. They were just in lust and they never. They're in lust. Yeah. Because I mean, I had a partner that like, I love him, but I would never want to marry him. Like, it, and then I say that, like, I sound so rude, but I just, we were not a match. Um, Like there's so many things missing there. And when the lust wore off, and I think this was like 15 years ago, I just remember being like, well, how did I almost want to spend my life with this person? Um, and so it's interesting because it's almost like sometimes the love doesn't wear off. Sometimes it's almost like you finally get to see who the person is and they're a good person, but they're not right for you. Um, 
I also, you know, just listening to you talk, um, I don't know, like you talk about friendship beneath everything and friendship takes time, right? Like it, it takes time. Um, what are, how do you even assess, like, if you have a friendship, because sometimes you're so caught in the relationship, we don't really build a friendship with somebody. Right. Like, think about it. When something good happens to you, do you want to call your partner? When something bad happens to you, do you want to call your partner? When there's insignificant, stupid shit in your day, do you want to tell your partner, right? Do you feel safe? Do you feel seen by this person, right? These are signs of a friendship, right? And it's not, we have to be identical to each other, but if he likes, you know, going bike riding, yeah, I just want to be with you. So I'll go with you. If we want to go to the grocery store together because we enjoy spending time together, think about what you would do with a friend. Yeah. Do you want to do that with your partner? You know, it's so interesting that one of the reasons that my last relationship ended with such an amazing guy was that he had very little capacity because his his career was taking up a lot of space, like 80 hours a week. By the time the weekend came, he had nothing left. Mm. I love to have fun on the weekends. So for me, fun looks like going to the beach, dinner with friends, sleeping in. And not once did we go to the beach um, because he was always so exhausted. The idea of leaving the building and getting out with the umbrella and everything, it just felt laborious for him, which I understood because he worked so much. But eventually I got to a space of like, I don't know if we'll ever have fun the way I want to because one day you'll stop working this hard. Like, I don't want to be in love with your potential for me, no matter how much I truly do love this person. Um. I think that life happens in phases. Like how do people know when they're in a phase versus like in the truth of someone? Because, you know, you you can meet someone and they could have so much free time and you guys have all the, and then that's not the truth of what they actually have to offer um, or vice versa. Just anything about really getting to know someone and building that friendship. I'd be curious to hear what you think. Yeah. The number one thing that you need is time, Right. Sometimes we want to put things on fast forward right. and we want to know something in three weeks, three months, right? And ultimately the most important commodity in a relationship is time and repeated exposures and repeated exposures in different phases of a relationship. You want to see what this person is like with you for the first few months. How do you, how do they react to your friends and family? How do you react to theirs? What happens when there's conflict? Mm -hmm. When there's a misunderstanding, what happens if this person loses their job? If you lose your job, right? Like what, what happens? Because this is the real stuff of life. Right. Right. So time shows you that you can't press fast forward in 90 days. Right. A hundred percent. I love that. And it's interesting because when I think about my friends, it's been a whole thing of time for me to really deeply trust them. And um, I don't know, you, you talked a little bit about like sex. And I think that's such an interesting topic because obviously the difference between a friend and a not friend, uh, a romantic partner is that you're having sex, like in amongst other things, you put your lives together, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I think a lot of people get a little spooked in the quiet of the night when they think about they've had better sex before, like you know, there's that person that they had crazy sex with and it was such a connection for them and it lasted a long time. It wasn't like a three-month thing. Maybe it was a year or two or three. 
and with their life partner or the person they're considering as a life partner, it's good, but it's not like life-changing for them. How do people reconcile that? Because I think a lot of people get a little haunted by that. And there's shows on Netflix like Sex Life where she like fantasizes about her old love and, and the fire that they had. So how do you offer wisdom around processing that for some people? I mean, it's a little red flag to some extent, right? Tell me I mean, more. I, I think your ex is usually an ex for a reason. Right. And if you're go back, you're going back mentally and pedestalizing some like a singular aspect of this person. It's almost an act of self-sabotage to your current relationship. Yeah. Wow. Like you're finding reasons to walk away from something that's actually good for you. Mm. Okay. So speaking of it's an act of avoidance to okay. some extent. So then what would you say about people who are like, our sex is whatever, like it's good, but it's not great. I love my partner, like that kind you of- Go to a sex therapist, talk about it. Most good sex comes from a lot of talking, open communication. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's where it comes from, right? If you go to a sex therapist, it's not like they're going to maybe show you different techniques. It's about being comfortable saying why it's not great and what this person could do that could make it better. It's an ability, again, to communicate, to number one, be self-aware, yeah. right? Number two, feel safe enough to say what you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the simple act of saying that makes your sex life a whole lot better. Wow. Yeah. There's so much there. I feel like this topic of partnership, it's like forever my favorite vertical on the U-Turn podcast because number one, I'm my own little student with this. Like, I don't think I'm an expert at love at all. I think I'm an expert at growing. Like I'm always open to growing, but, um, you're so awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I, I feel like, you know, When you get to know someone, whether it's a friend or in business or romantic, I love that you talk about the power of time. Um, I feel like we live in a really rushed society. And yet there's something about what you talk about with time. I always give my best friend shit because she kind of does this thing I call the state of the union where she'll like force a, it's like her masculine energy will like force a big discussion over something that could just leak out and work itself out over time. Uh Uh-huh. Um, but on that note, I'm curious, are there certain topics like, you know, we talked, we started off talking about having kids. It's like, how do we, you know, the people who are coupled up, they're like, do I want to have a kid with this person? Even if I love them, um, how do we ask those important questions to someone? Um, maybe when we're dating, maybe when we're in partnership already, that really help us cement compatibility. Because I feel like there's so much we're missing. Like spirituality, we talked about the grower and the not so grower. Um, My spirituality with this new guy looks different. He's not into like crystals and chakras, but he's a grower. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. um, I don't, you know, so I'm still learning, like, do I feel judged if he, like, if I have a little deck that I'm pulling a card from and he looks at it and smirks, like, how do I relate to that difference? So I think there's a lot of questions to be had for people to figure out those nuances and those values. Um, what are some fundamental questions that if you could go back in time and help anyone pause and ask their partner, um, you would want them to consider that? 
At the end of the workday, the last thing I want to do is grocery shop and sometimes cook dinner, which is why I've really come to appreciate Factor meals. Eating better has never been so easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. There's no mess, no prep, just clear meals. Factor meals are ready to heat, ready to eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup as needed. That's something I can get behind. Sign up and save. I've done the math, and Factor meals are less expensive than takeout. And every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. So head on over to factormeals.com slash U-Turn50 and use the code U-Turn50 to get 50% off. That's code U-Turn, Y-O-U-T-U-R-N-5-0 at factormeals.com slash U-Turn50 to get 50% off. Now let's get back into this week's episode. Ask all of the hard things. Mm -hmm. Ask the hard things. We have so much fear. Uh-huh. And what is it? It's fear of ruining something, fear of rejection, fear of abandonment, right? They're like very common human wounds. And what does that do? It wrecks us because it makes us afraid to ask the questions that matter. Do you love me? Are you going to marry me? Mm-hmm. What do you want out of your life? Right? And it's like, you have to be able to ask someone any question you want, mm-hmm. right? And again, what does that come down to? That means I feel safe with this person. Mm-hmm. Have the questions. What do you feel about money? Like, what is it like in your life? Did you grow up with money? How much money do you have? Like, you know, they say more women would want to talk about death than money, yeah. right? Because we're not genderized to do that. Having the questions, do you believe in God? What do you believe? If you had kids, what would you want to do with that? right? As your parents get old, how would you want to treat them? Do you see yourself letting them move in with you? Do you want to live by family? These are hard questions, right? Do you think our kids should pay for their own college or should we pay for college, right? It's like, these are such basic things that if we ask these basic questions early on, Mm. we would know where we stood and where our partners stood. Like, what would make you ask for divorce? Mm, That's a great question. Like, we had very clear boundaries when we were dating. I'm like, you become an addict. You cheat. Um, I'm like, what was the other one? If you cheat, you become an alcoholic. I had them. Or if you cheat, like, it's an instant game over. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the red card. You're done. Yeah. I love that. I actually just bought John Gottman's book, Eight Dates, The Essential. It's so good. It's okay. So good. That's great to know. And then I also just bought his uh, 52 Cards Before Marriage or Moving In deck. This guy is about to get hit so fucking hard with John Gottman from me. Like, he better wear his helmet next time he comes over because I got the cards. I'm like, yo, Spate I got- them out. Space them out. Yeah. Do a couple per date. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pick them. Right. Kind of phase them out, right? You yeah. can do Arthur Aaron's 36 questions to fall in love. That's another great one, right? Mm-hmm. And then you stare into each other's eyes for five minutes and he claims you can fall in love with somebody in an hour. 
by this exercise. Do you believe that? Because I feel like you're all about time. Like, do you believe you can fall in love with somebody in an hour or in three weeks or in a, like, what's your beliefs about falling in love? I think you can fall in lust, Mm -hmm. right? I don't, I think you can start to get an idea of somebody's empathy, compassion, like heartaches by playing these kinds of question games. But I think they're just answers at the end of the day, right? You have to watch somebody's behavior over time. Anyone, right? It's like people show us who they are. It's up to us to believe them, but you got to give them time to show you who they are. Yeah, I love that. And um, I think there's also a world that we're living in with dating apps and stuff like that, where people are a little bit more flippant, a little more afraid of commitment. Um, Or maybe they're not. We've all just been afraid of commitment and it's showing up even more. I don't know. But um, I've seen a dynamic in my world where some um, people are pushing their partners into commitment. Um, The partner's not ready. It's like this chronic analysis paralysis. Do you have any beliefs around people who struggle to make that commitment? Because I know that sometimes maybe it's that simple. It was a hard commitment, but once they make it, things are great. Like, do you have any um, thoughts for anybody listening who's maybe in the in-between of, you know, one wants to commit, the other one doesn't, and maybe it's to marriage, maybe it's to an exclusive relationship. Um, Just any thoughts on dynamics around commitment and what they might mean or not? Yeah, I would say be careful. Right. And if I, <laughs> I'll say something probably controversial, controversial, I'm a believer in ultimatums. You are. Yeah. hundred percent. And I, that's what put me into this business ultimately is I coached so many of my friends when we were in their twenties. It's like, Oh my God, I don't know. I want to get married to him, but I don't know if he will. I'm like, set a date. And if he wants to marry you, You'll get your ring. But isn't that weird? I don't want to force someone to do something. I'm like, if he wants to be with you, he will live by the ultimatum. Every single one of them that put down the date has been married for over 20 years to this day. And they all have good marriages. So I'm a believer. If you want something, get aligned on it. Get aligned on the commitment, right? One of my best friends, I've told this story on my own podcast. Her name was Nikki. And she was standing up in my wedding. And her boyfriend of two years was a soccer player, like pick up soccer games, whatever. And the day before she's in my wedding, he's like, hey, listen, I can't go to Bella's wedding tomorrow because we're having a pick up soccer game. on the Ugh. Okay. And I was like, oh, dude, that is such a red flag. It had now been two years that they were dating. So he's from my vantage point, stringing her along, stringing her along. She calls me one day. It's after my wedding. She's like, I want to get married. I'm like, Nick, I want you to look him in the eyes tonight. She's crying on the phone to me. I said, I want you to ask him one question. She's like, what? I'm like, look him in the eyes and say, are you going to marry me? She's like, I can't do that. That's too forward. We haven't even, I'm like, I want you to ask him this question. Are you going to marry me? And her lip is trembling. She gets off the phone with me. I'm like, call me by 10 PM tonight. Ash, she called me sobbing. Mm -hmm. I looked at him. I said, are you going to marry me? He looked me in in the eyes and he was like, no. So then why are people staying in these things? Like I have a really good friend in New York and it's like, it's like he really wants to find the love of his life, but he is like in this thing where he tells the girl, like, 
I'm not going to marry you. He knows he doesn't want to marry her, but they both keep staying. Is that just a self-esteem thing? Yeah. And she's not listening to what he's saying. Mm -hmm. Right. If you ask the question, look at what I just told you. Uh, most times, dear listener, people don't lie. Mm -hmm. You might not be listening with the ears that you need to be listening. This is what happened to my friend, Nikki. I'm like, ask him the question. She asked, he told her the truth. 72 hours later, I rented a truck and got my two best friends. We moved her out of her apartment in Milwaukee where she was staying to be around him. And we moved her back home. And you know what happened? 12 months later, we set her up with another friend and they are now happily married and our daughters go to college together. Oh, wow. It's like really trusting. Okay. So final question. Cause you know, I could just grill you for freaking ever. Like, you know, you were talking about how that can be a form of sabotage, like holding on to this old phantom relationship that didn't work out. And it kind of takes you out of the presence of what you have. Um, there's a wisdom in that. Sometimes you look back and you're like, there's something I had with somebody that I need moving forward. Other times it's sabotage. I feel like in the dating space, kind of like you're talking about your friend, it's like a lot of people are walking around with some heartbreaks and I get that. Um, is there, do you have any belief around like, okay, so for example, I broke up with my boyfriend three, four months ago and I just met someone. I still love my ex, but I don't want to be with him. Um, but I still hold a place in my heart for him, you know, like yeah, a really nice message. I wrote him a really nice message. There's love there. Um, the guy that I met, he just got out of something that was kind of serious, but it was only three months. Like we're all kind of carrying this residue around as we transition into new things. Um, do you have any feedback around that? Because I think a lot of people, you know, kind of going back to this idea, maybe they're married and they're holding on to some lost love or just any, and I think some of it is sabotage because it can be years and years that they're holding on to it. Other people, they just got out of something and they're hopping into another. And that's just the process of dating. Any any wisdom around that for people who are maybe sitting with that phantom ex? Yeah, do some work. Dig into that. Why you're not with that person for a reason, right? And the human brain, we tend to want, we tend to romanticize our ex's good points, right? And that's what makes this grief harder. But if you actually sit down, do a process that I have, I mean, you can imagine at Smart Dating Academy, how many people carry grief for their exes, yeah. right? And like sit down and make a list of everything you disliked or hated about this person at the end and how they treated you and all those slights. It's called a negative reappraisal mm. because our brains tend to torture us by romanticizing the early days, the halcyon days of when everything was great. Go back to the end. Why do we go back to the beginning and romanticize that? What happened when they cheated on you? What happened when they drank themselves to blackout eight times? What happened when they ghosted you for eight days, right? The person that existed in the very beginning, the person's gone. That wasn't real. That's brutal. And it's true, but it's brutal. It's brutal. But these are, this is, and I know you might be listening to this going, geez, that's harsh. But guys, it's true. And this is the way you pick yourself up and you walk forward is stop your brain from playing these tricks on you that are keeping you stuck. Mm -hmm. I love this conversation. I feel like every time you come on, it's like, 
here I am again in a new city dating and asking you 500 questions and <laughs> for everyone's benefit, I hope. Um, where can everybody find you, join your program, all that stuff? And of course, this will not be your last time back on this show. Oh my God, it better not be asked. I love <laughs> you. Um, please go and listen to our podcast. If you like this today, go to the Smart Dating Academy podcast on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, anywhere you get and subscribe, review. We would love that. Follow me on Instagram at Smart Dating Academy. We post a couple times a day, lots of dating tips and inspiration. And if you're really ready to make some big changes and get unstuck and find the lid to your pot, the love of your life, join Smart Dating Academy. Go to smartdatingacademy.com, fill out a form, and we'll tell you about our VIP coaching packages. We're on a two to three month wait list. So do it quick because peak dating season is coming in December. Mm, so fun. I love you, Bella. Thank you for coming back. I love you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into the U-Turn podcast. And thank you again so much for our sponsors. We are here because of you and to our listeners. Thank you for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people and brands that we trust and we believe in. And just for listening to the show, writing your reviews on the Apple app, and just being willing to make your own U-Turns. We'll see you next week. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.